Today's episode of Heat Check is brought to you by Belvedere, part of a 600-year Polish vodka-making tradition. Belvedere vodka is all-natural and made with 100% non-GMO Polska rye and pristine water. Belvedere has championed Polska rye vodka and superior natural ingredients since its inception and continues their mission with its new Belvedere Single Estate Rye Series. These award-winning vodkas... Smogori Forest and Lake Vardazek are two distinct tasting vodkas born from unique terroir and expert craftsmanship. The kind of expert craftsmanship like your NBA champion Toronto Raptors pulled off to win the first ever uh, title for Canada. Congrats to the Toronto Raptors. We're going to get into that in just a second. Taste the difference and enjoy Belvedere's new single estate rye vodkas on the rocks. We're in a delicious cocktail today. Belvedere is a quality choice. Drinking responsibly is too. And now, heat check. Uh, he's got smoke coming off his fingertips. He's as hot as a blowtorch. It's a heat check. You knew that was coming. It's heat check time. Welcome to another and a final special finals heat check. I'm your host, John Gonzalez. Isaac Lee is back in LA. I am joined. In San Francisco, by the one and the only Kevin O'Connor. This time, Kevin, we're in your hotel room, not mine. I'm going to put my feet up on the bed. <laughs> the uh, Toronto Raptors are your 2019 NBA champions. They win game six on the road. It was uh, the third win for them on the road in the playoffs against the Golden State Warriors. The fourth time they've beaten the Warriors on the road this season. Just an incredible performance. Kawhi Leonard is your MVP. Canada, celebrate. Go crazy. Unbelievable night for the Toronto Raptors, Gons. We talked about it between us after the game. Kawhi Leonard, obviously, had just an incredible postseason run from the jump in the first round against the Magic, against the Sixers, the Bucks, and now against the Warriors. But in this series in particular, Toronto got the contributions that they needed from across the roster, up and down. Tonight, Fred Van Vliet having an outstanding game, 5 of 11 from 3. Siakam, finally! Was able to hit some threes. <laughs> yes. Finally. Yes. After 0-4 the entire series. He got a hot start. And Kyle Lowry in that first half with 21-6-6, finishing with 26 points, 10 assists, 7 rebounds, and just some. Also a hot start. St- yeah. Hot Came start. Out smoking. And stellar defense as well. They got the contributions they needed, not just from Kawhi, but everybody on that roster. What do you think at the end there? Um, and we're going to get into Clay, and we're going to get into the Warriors and all that stuff in a little bit. But it's the Raptors night, so we should do a lot of Raptors up top. Uh, an incredible performance for them. I thought that they were going to win this in five, the way that game five was going. And then in game six, I started to get really nervous for all the same reasons that we saw in five. You know, Steph got a good look at it. Yeah, Steph had a great look at the end of that game. Like, what more can you ask for? Steve Kerr said it after the game. He thinks every Steph shot is going in. I sure as hell thought yeah, that was too. going in. Yeah, me uh, too. Even when he's chucking up those 70-footers at the buzzer you know, for a quarter, I'm like, man, some of these are going to go in. Me and uh, Nick Friedel from ESPN were sitting next to each other, and <laughs> both those heaves at the end of the clock, at the end of the quarters, we both thought those are going in as well, or at least they had a chance. And guess what? They did. They were close. They were accurate. Steph Curry tonight, it, it's really a shame that the Warriors had to deal with so many injuries because after, after Clay Thompson went down, 
Steph was just swarmed constantly. Yeah. Toronto didn't necessarily go full box and one, but every single action Curry ran around screens, they were there with two or sometimes three guys. Every single pick and roll, trapping him, getting the ball out of his hands. Steph just had no room. He was exhausted. He had no help. No shooters around him on the court. And Toronto just completely exploited it, as they damn well should, with the style of defense that they played this entire series, especially tonight. Yeah, credit to the Raptors' defense. I mean, they've been so good all postseason long, and I was really excited to see what they would do against the Golden State Warriors because obviously, you know, defending champs, they've been five straight finals appearances now. This represents, in theory, their biggest test, although, I mean, the Philadelphia 76ers by the transit of <laughs> property might be the second best team in the NBA. But the, really just incredible defensive effort for them throughout the postseason. And then again, tonight when they absolutely had to have it, holding Golden State to 110 points, which I know Verno had used as the line of demarcation. If you have the Warriors in that 110 range and below, you're good to go. If they're north of that 110 range, they're damn hard to beat. Tonight, exactly 110 points in the Toronto Raptors end up winning the series. <laughs> so shouts to Verno. Um, Verno. Cool. Great week for Verno, by the way. Great the, week the for Verno. The Blues winning the Stanley Cup Game 7 on Wednesday night. And then tonight, Marcus Gasol, <laughs> former Memphis Grizzly, winning an NBA Finals. Congratulations to Chris Vernon and uh, all the Grizzlies fans out there. Not a big night for Marcus Gasol, by the way. We've seen uh, no. intermittent nights. <laughs> Uh, of yeah. Marcus All, where he was good in certain games and not good in other games. This was a not yeah. good Marcus yeah. All night. It's not about tonight. It's about everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He gets to celebrate. Yeah. He gets a ring just yeah. like everybody else. But let's go with Kawhi Leonard for right now. Almost nearly the finals unanimous MVP. One vote against him. Who was that vote? That didn't vote for I him? didn't see who it was. Hubie Brown. It was Hubie Brown. Hubie Brown. He voted was, for Fred Van Vliet, which, by the way, like Van Vliet should not be finals MVP. No. But. If you were going to pick somebody else. Yeah, Van Vliet had it just an outstanding series. The defense he played on Stephen Curry, man-to-man, mm-hmm. hounding him. And the second Curry crossed half court, I mean, earlier in, in the series, I, I talked to a player who mentioned like spots, you mm-hmm. know, finding spots to target a guy. And Curry was the second he crossed half court, they had a guy on him. It was typically Van Vliet. And then they had the second guy or the third guy come yeah. anytime he was off screen actions. Van Vliet deserves a heck of a lot of credit for the series win. Yeah, 22 points in this game. He made five. He shot 11 three pointers and made five of them. And, and you know what? That was a big, a big part of the night for the Raptors tonight. They cooled off after their hot start. They were super hot early on in the first half. They ended up shooting only, and I say only in air quotes, nearly 40% from three. They took 33 <laughs> of them. But the, like this yeah. was kind of a point for them all postseason and specifically in the series where when their threes are falling all of a sudden it's oh time for the other team because they have been so good this postseason and you have had sort of like a taking turns supporting cast with Kawhi Leonard where you know one night it's Siakam one night in the case of this evening it's Kyle Lowry you know we've we've seen a Danny Green game we've seen a Marcus Saul game but Fred Van Fleet like I, I did a you know humble brag here I did a, a Toronto Canada radio interview and like me and the two guys <laughs> Ooh, shouts Mr. To, Mr. Popular shouts to the the, the Canada radio station that had me on that I, I would throw out the numbers of the station, like whatever the call sign of the station is. I don't remember. So was that Sportsnet 590? I think it was 590. I love those guys. Uh, they those they guys have are, some good shows over there. Those guys are awesome. Yeah. Uh, my brain is mush. Apologies for me not remembering off, that off the top of my head. But we were laughing about it on the air about like two weeks ago or three weeks ago or two series ago or however long it was when Fred Van Fleet's shot wasn't falling before the baby came. He was like, 
so close to unplayable that people were openly lobbying for Jeremy Lin to play his minutes. And then he gets untracked against Milwaukee. And now all of a sudden it's like, oh man, you know who was like maybe the Raptors' second best player in the postseason? Fred Van Fleet. It's kind of funny with Van Vliet. He went back to the guy that people thought he was as a rookie because last season was, so I'm sorry, his second season, the beginning of this season was just really not good for him through the postseason. It was sort of a step back for him overall Mm -hmm. until the baby was born. Yeah. And now look at him. Got a finals MVP vote. Imagine how much quicker <laughs> you could write if you just like had a baby tomorrow. Oh, I'm not You sure. would just be potting and like firing up columns. It would be incredible. Uh, I don't but, know. Uh, so, <laughs> so any eligible women out there get a KOC. <laughs> not, uh, not sure that's a life change I want right now. <laughs> um, but really just like, like for him to like reemerge when I think like a lot of people would have had their confidence completely shook. You'd look at it and be like, oh man, I'm not playing well. I know I'm not playing well. And on top of that, like I can, it's not like these guys don't hear these things. They, he must've been aware of, you know, people coming after him for the way he played in those first two series. And then all of a sudden for him to like find this redemption, he's an undrafted guy who just won an NBA championship with Mm -hmm. the Toronto Raptors, the first ever team to win a title outside of the United States. I mean, like what a wild ride. Like, did you see the videos of what's happening in Canada right now? I just want to, no, I just, I have, I have not, I want to, uh, I've been, I've been riding on the bus that we got here. Time to pod. By the time you guys are listening there, there might not be anything left of Toronto. <laughs> Toronto had a really good run. It's an amazing city. Uh, it had to come to an end like this. So uh, it was a good time. I, I hope all my friends in Canada are okay. Sirit Sohi, the starters. Yeah, yep. I hope they're all safe. <laughs> yeah, shouts to all those guys. I hope Toronto took a page from Philly. Danny book Chow is still in Toronto. Danny right Chow now. is still. Danny, Danny might Chow. not make it out. <laughs> it's going to be like the last chopper out of Saigon for Danny. <laughs> It's, it's very. We're, we're, we're going to lose a great editor. If we had a good run. Danny also had a good run, but it, you know what? If this is it for Danny, this is how he'd want to go out. You know what? What a way <laughs> to go out if it is, huh? It really is. Um, but back to Kawhi for a second. Like when they went and and shots to Masai Ujiri, who like in Game Four after Game Four when they won that second game mm-hmm. on the road at Oracle, which we thought was going to be the yeah. final game in Oracle, I saw Masai like out on the court, just sort of like watching the crowd saying, Oh, Canada, like just very hushed off to the side by himself, taking it all in and what stones it had to take for him to do this with Kawhi, like to trade DeMar, who was one of the most beloved players in Raptors franchise history to fire the frigging coach of the year. (laughs) Right? Like which, you know, I like Dwayne Casey just fine, but like, these are big giant balls kinds of moves. And Masai Ujiri was like, I'm doing it. Like, I'm going to, yeah. like, we can't keep doing the same thing over and over again. And then also in the process of this, like keeping Kyle Lowry, who a lot of people were like, well, if you were going to move on for somebody, maybe you should have moved I mean, on. He from- did go for Conley. <laughs> should- well, yeah, <laughs> but, I mean, for my but, Conley but still <laughs> like it, it works out, right? It, like, it, it these, did work out. These things worked out incredibly. Yeah. And he lands on Kawhi Leonard, who now, you know, we'll see what happens with Kawhi Leonard in, in the off season. But like, for all of this to be orchestrated takes supreme faith in yourself and like just giant stones. Supreme faith in yourself, giant stones, a don't give an F attitude where you're not worried about how fans or the rest of the league is going to perceive the mm-hmm. deals you make. And ultimately, that's what separates a lot of franchises across sports. There are certain teams that they have ownership and they're worried about what the fans think, worried about what the media thinks. There are certain franchises they don't care. They're just going to do the moves that they perceive as the moves that are best for their franchise. And with Masai Ujiri, from the jump, he has wanted to do what was best for the franchise. And from the start, he thought it was rebuilding. When he first got hired, 
He was trying to move Kyle Lowry, trying to move pieces in order to rebuild. In 2017, at the time that I wrote the Blow It Up article, I had heard from a source close to the Raptors that said they were still thinking about trying to make a big trade to either blow it up and rebuild or totally tweak things. And then what happens is you can't make a deal. You change the system in Dwayne Casey's last season, and you have a great year, flame out in the the postseason, fire him, the coach Mm -hmm. of the year, like you said, and hire the guy, Nick Nurse, who reportedly was the one pushing for the changes in the first place. And Nurse, what a year for him. Besides that timeout blunder at the end of Game 5, this guy made nearly every single right move throughout the entire postseason, from sticking with Van Vliet, the way they integrated all their old players integrating Norman Powell into the rotation, trusting Siakam, mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. Yeah, and I mean, Nick Nurse. Nick Nurse proved himself as a quality, quality NBA head I mean, coach when entering the postseason. He was unproven. Now he's probably a top ten coach in the league. He goes and he elevates Nick Nurse from an assistant to the main guy. When Nick Nurse, like aside from being an assistant under Dwayne Casey, like before that, like he's had this like weird career in various NBA minor leagues where he was in the G league and the D league and like in the BBL, the British basketball league, which if you've ever been to England, like nobody in England knows exists because they don't give a shit about basketball. <laughs> and like, that's the guy that you go and tap to be your guy, which is kind of frigging crazy. And you know, like again, all, all credit to Masai because like he goes out and identifies just a bunch of guys who, you know, he finds Van Fleet who's, undrafted and he gets Pascal what at like 27. They, they don't have a single lottery pick on the roster. Yeah. Not I mean, a single one. Like Norman Powell and all these guys who they he, like he's another just, win for Verno, by the way. He's, <laughs> Norman Powell, who's picks. taken by the Bucks 46 in the second round. And he trades for Norman Powell and he gets a first round pick in that deal. And that that pick turns into OG Ananobi, mm-hmm. who you know we didn't see, but who was a very useful player for them. And like it's just like all these little things that you know, going adding Abaca last year for Terrence Ross, right? And by, like, and by the way, if this series had gone differently, let's say KD is healthy. OG is probably somebody you do see because you need that extra long defender on the floor. So it's like this roster even had a little bit more depth with guys that are usable in the finals. Yeah, but like, you know, upgrading uh, Jonas Valanciunas with Gasol. Mm-hmm. And again, like Gasol, like there were many moments where he disappeared during this postseason and in these finals, but still more playable than Jonas Valanciunas. I mean, the, he, the, he could the at least... The playmaking was big. Yeah, too. his yeah. passing was excellent yeah. more times than not. And he kind of got over, not but not in this game, uh, uh, moments when he would like pass up these open threes, but still like an upgrade over Valanciunas for sure. And so credit to Masai, man. Like I can't think of too many other times when a gamble this big paid off. And something else too, like just from like, I know this is hard for you because you're a Bostonian and you've long ago forgotten what it's like to win something and like be happy about it, right? <laughs> yeah. As opposed to just expecting that you win. Yeah, uh, like yeah, I know uh, the Bruins uh, went down and you're like, how many months has it been? You're all broken up about Jeez. it, but like you're you're numb to it now. Not, not really. I'm for not a for those of fan. us who, it, when it comes few and far between, there are like these, these <laughs> special moments. But in the NBA, usually the super team wins, right? Yeah, like, usually. The best player usually wins. Usually yeah. the, the best players and the best team win. And I was going back through like all of the teams that have won in the last however many years. And like the 2016 Cavs were a fun team because they ended the 50-plus year drought in Cleveland and good for them. But they had LeBron, mm. right? Like you still have LeBron. LeBron the 2015 James. Warriors, as they were on their way up, kind of felt fun. But then they became a dynastic team so that like in retrospect you're like meh the Spurs over the heat was fun but they're still the Spurs they're like one of the great organizations in NBA history before that 
you know, you had the Pistons, that weird Pistons team. The 04 Pistons. The 04 Pistons team. Chauncey Billups. You had those run of Lakers and Celtics. Of course, you're not going to be rooting for them, you, but not the rest of us. Then before that, you had the Bulls era. Really, like, the closest I think that we've come in the last 30 years is maybe the 2011 Mavs team to this Raptors team, where you're like, mm. holy shit, this came out of nowhere. This is super fun. Good for Dallas. They really yeah. wanted it. Dirk wanted a championship. Good for them. Like, this is a super feel-good moment that you don't often get in the NBA, where the team that you really didn't think was going to win, and then nobody friggin' <laughs> picked. Nobody. I want to find, like, I, I defy you to find any, like, national NBA writer or anybody who covers the NBA or Vegas or 538 or anybody who thought that the rat, I think five, I actually think 538 yeah, might have favored them, right? High on him. 538 yeah. favored them, but everybody else everywhere thought, no way the Raptors are going to win this. And they pulled it out, and it's just like it's in a historic moment and a feel good moment. So, yes, I, I, I take it back. Burn it all down, Toronto. Yeah, I think with, in regards to Toronto, I, I wrote this. I forget when it was. In, it all is a mush together right sure. now. But at some point, I mentioned how like this Toronto Raptors team could be the greatest one hit wonder in NBA history and maybe in sports history for that matter. When you consider how improbable it was for Toronto to get to this point, as we discussed with their intentions to rebuild in the past, the fact that Kawhi Leonard trade required a freakishly weird nine game season for him with this weird quad problem when he happens to play for a team that is okay with accepting a archaic style player in DeMar DeRozan and Jacob Pertle. So much had a break right for this franchise in order for them to be here. And it could all end. And that's okay. Yeah. They, it's, it's okay. Because it? they, I think they, like, they, it's they all gravy now. It's okay. It's okay. So here's the thing. We did a fundraiser uh, for Duncan Cancer on Sunday. And we asked the Raptors fans, like, are you guys like, okay, if you win the title and Kawhi leaves? And it was like almost consensus, like cheering excitement. Almost everybody in that crowd, and this is like the hardest of hardcore Raptors fans. Anybody that's going to go, you know, go to an event, yeah. you're a hardcore Raptors fan. So a sample of like 270 people, I feel pretty confident Raptors fans would be okay with it. Because guess what, man? Like, it was really funny tonight. Masai Ujiri's on the podium. Raptors are accepting sure. the trophy. And Adrian Wojnarowski drops. <laughs> the Washington Wizards are reportedly considering offering a $10 million contract to yeah. Masai Ujiri while bomb. he's on the podium. During the podium. <laughs> Woj is the best, man. I love it. I love Woj. I love um, how much you love that. Woj is he's it, a I mean, I love, it, I love him for it. It's an incredible thing, too. But, like, so it, that's possible, too, because we've spent so much time you know, who knows what Masai is going to do, but we've spent so much time talking about Kawhi and what Kawhi is going to do and Kawhi and dine and people offering him penthouses and you can never, you'll never have to pay for food again and you never have to pay for drinks again and yeah. Toronto's yours forever. I think he has enough money to pay for food. Yeah, of course, of yeah. course. But like we spent so much time <laughs> focusing on him and what they're going to do with the roster. And it's possible that the guy who put the roster together in the first place and Nick Nurse was talking about like what an incredible job he did. It's possible that he could be gone. And like this whole thing, if that ends, what a candle in the friggin' wind this was, right? Like this one bright shining moment of a season for the Toronto <laughs> Raptors. And then all of a sudden, like next year, everybody could be gone. Like that's crazy town. It's nuts, dude. It's not a championship yeah, team. Yeah, it's it's not often that a star player leaves a team that makes the finals. Like we saw it from LeBron and with Kawhi Leonard this year. It could be a player that actually won the finals. Yeah. Leaves. Um, this has never happened. And so for Kawhi, to me, it's like LA is not going anywhere. I think if you're Kawhi, you got to look at the situation, how great it was. Everybody else in this team has one year left in their deal. You got to probably sign the one and one and go for a back to back. Unless like your family is like, we need to be in LA now. 
unless it's all about family. I think this situation here. It's a great situation. I don't think he's going to go back though. Every indicate, and I have no inside information. I I just think that like it makes it easy for everybody to just go do their own thing now. Like if Masai wants to go take the money grab, and Kawhi wants to go to LA, and you know they all scatter to the wind. Like, hey man, you just brought a championship parade to Toronto mm-hmm. and all of Canada, and as you said, it's all gravy. It's good. Everybody can go now. Everybody's cheering them, and like they'll wish you well, and like you did something that a lot of people didn't think was possible. It's awesome, man. It it really is. I'm excited for that city. I, I know the situation with the Katie thing at the end of game uh, during Game Five left a sour note in some people's. You know, it is a sour note on on the fandom there in Toronto. But guess what, man? Like, there's just only a handful of scumbags that did that. The majority of those Raptors fans out there are passionate about their team. Canada loves basketball, and I think if you're looking at like the big picture implications of this championship win for the Raptors. The past great players that came through Toronto, guys like Chris Bosch, that helped instill basketball, you know, in a child's mind. It made kids want to pick up a basketball. So you think, look at this team and how this run happened from back from 1-0 against the Magic, back from 2-1 against the Sixers, back from 2-0 against the Bucks, and then holding off this comeback by the Warriors and winning the series 4-2, winning three games at Oracle Arena yeah. for the final games for the Warriors at Oracle Arena. What a special run for the team. I, for, can't, I'm, for, I can't believe it went down this way. Imagine being a kid, 10 years old, in Toronto or anywhere in Canada watching this team. Like You're going to love basketball for the rest of your life. And that's like the thing that really makes me happiest is that basketball is going to only continue to grow even more in Canada, just like it has this past decade plus. Mm-hmm. Um, there's going to be a whole bunch of young Canadian basketball players that grow up and eventually make the NBA or play college basketball, maybe because of this run that Kawhi Leonard and the Raptors have made. Before we continue, let's just take a quick break for a word from our sponsors. Today's episode of Heat Check is brought to you by City on a Hill, the action-packed new drama series from Showtime, the same network that brought you Billions, Homeland, and Ray Donovan, set in a volatile early 90s era Boston when police corruption ran rampant through a system plagued by racism. City on a Hill stars award-winning actors Kevin Bacon and Aldous Hodge. The new series follows an upstanding district attorney played by Hodge who teams up with a corrupt FBI agent played by Bacon. The two form an unlikely alliance to take down a local crime family and clean up the city. Executive produced by Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, and Tom Fontana. To stream the first episode for free, go to show, that's sho.com slash city. City on a Hill airs Sundays at 9 p.m. only on Showtime. And now, back to Heat Check. If I told you that the way that this series went down was that the Raptors were going to win three games on the road, I said, you're, Oracle, you're BSing me, Gons. You're three BSing of, me. Three of their four wins were going to be in Oakland. You'd be no. like, "That's that's no. impossible. No, that's, that's definitely BS. not going to happen." That's no. and I would have agreed. I would no. Why are we even talking about this? This is stupid. If they could steal one or two, that would be a way for them to win. But three is just absurd. Though, if you did tell me, Clay. Misses well, one full game and then he gets then hurt in the other, in and Katie one. only plays twelve minutes, and it's none of those minutes are at Oracle. Then I would have said, all of a sudden maybe, it changes. Maybe. So let's talk about the Warriors. Uh, as we're recording this, Woj again, your guy tweeted out <laughs> that it's an ACL injury for Clay Thompson. So now you know for sure that you're not going to have KD next year at all if he decides to even stick around. Like there's multiple possibilities. We'll get into that in a second. But for Clay Thompson, who's also going to be an unrestricted free agent. Now you've got an injury concern for him as well. And an ACL 
players come back from that. But still, it's not ideal. Nobody wants that. He's limping out on crutches. It was just like for him to come out in that game, he was, Kevin, he played 32 minutes. I wrote about this for the ringer.com about what an incredible performance it was for Clay and what, what a gutsy effort it was. 32 minutes in the game, he had a game high 30 points. He went 10 of 10 from the free throw line, four of six from three point line. When he gets hurt and you see Steph Curry like grimace, and he's grabbing his knees and he's like sitting on the court uh, in the fetal position, not in the fetal position, but with his knees up towards his chest. <laughs> Pretty cool. if, he, if he was, if he was on his side, side, it would have yeah. been the fetal <laughs> position. But like you can see how, how upset he was about the whole thing. Let's, let's and, break down is the way he was sitting. Yeah. Uh, but you could see how upset he was about yeah. the whole thing. And then. It was utter shock. Utter shock for yeah. everybody. Everybody was had lost their mind. Like, uh, I can't believe that this is happening again to the Warriors in this moment Unreal. to an incredible player. And then he comes back out to shoot the free throws. That was awesome. The place lost its shit. That was so awesome. What was your, I mean, like, I'm yeah. watching that going, this can't be possibly happening. So uh, we're, we're sitting up there, and, like, to my left, there's a couple screens playing the TV broadcast. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, Clay's, Clay's gone down the tunnel, and then I see him on the broadcast. I don't know if this was aired live. I'm not sure if this was, like, a, you know, just a camera. Mm-hmm. But, like, I saw Clay turn around, and I'm like, Clay's coming back. Guys, come back, and I and I know, I know the explosion is coming yeah, yeah. from Oracle Arena, and boy, I almost went deaf. There were some really loud moments. Yeah, Isaac was worried about us. Isaac was worried about our ears. Did you ears. bring earplugs? Uh, I always have them in my bag for flights because I like, you know, if I'm sleeping. Did you wear them flight, tonight? I didn't wear them tonight because I wanted to hear what was happening. I, I would never wear them like in an arena, but it was loud sure. enough where you'd consider it. Yeah, you know, I, I had a scare with tinnitus a couple years back mm-hmm. um, after going to a concert, I forget what. And for like maybe six, six, seven weeks, I had some subtle ring in my ears. And I was like, damn, I might have this for the rest of my life. I might have it for the rest of my life, and I didn't. It faded away. I'm glad and, you didn't. And I'm good now. Sometimes I hear it like if I don't get enough sleep. However, uh, don't take your hearing for granted. Don't take your don't, hearing don't for granted. Don't be ashamed of wearing earplugs at concerts or at sporting events. Protect your hearing. This is a good PSA in the middle of uh, Heat Check <laughs> Basketball Pod. Let that be a listen to all you basketball fans out there. It's completely true. But back to Clay Thompson for a minute. <laughs> All of a sudden, we're doing doing hearing tests where I'm doing like noises in your one ear and asking you to signal. It was Clay's threes that were the loudest, too, because he hit some just outrageous shots off the dribble, including a a step back, pull up, whatever it was on the left side of the court. But he Um, came back out for those free throws, and we found out later on the reason why was because he didn't realize that there was a rule that if you don't take those free throws, if you go out immediately, you can't come back afterwards. So he came back out. He shot the free throws because at that point he thought I might be able to still play the game. He's doing friggin' jumping jacks, which Draymond didn't realize. And Draymond said, it doesn't surprise me. He's, yeah. he's nuts. So he takes the free throws and then he's like hobbling back up the court. And I'm thinking to myself, my God, is this like modern day Willis Reed moment where he's going to try to gut this out? And of course he couldn't end up gutting it out. And well, they, they took him out and they fouled him right away. And that was, and that was it. Those, but those two points he ends up, sort of came back to bite him. <laughs> he ends up, he ends up, well, yeah, I mean, he ends up limping off the, limping out of the arena on crutches. Yeah. And we find out now that he has an ACL tear, but like that kind of performance from Clay, you know, we saw him come back from the hamstring injury earlier mm-hmm. in the series. And then for him to do that and to go back out there and shoot those free throws, like what an incredible performance. I, I know he couldn't finish. It's yeah. terrible that he got too hurt. Bad, man. They're all super devastated about it. And it could have ripple effects for the Warriors, but oh big my God. time. Big time. If, God. First of all, if KD doesn't play in game five, he was the trigger to give them a chance at a 3-1 mm-hmm. comeback with his first quarter performance. 
the night he had gave Golden State a shot. If that didn't happen, Clay doesn't play in game six. There is no game six. We're not here in San Francisco tonight. We're not talking here. And Clay never tears his ACL. So now for Golden State, regardless of what happens with KD, regardless of what happens with Clay Thompson, Clay's going to be out until at least February or March, maybe longer. KD's likely to miss all of next season, and yep. he might not even be with Golden State. For the Warriors moving forward, looking ahead at next season, you look at the Western Conference, they're going to be battling for like six, seven, or eight spot unless they make just some significant changes to the rest of the roster this summer. Because guess what? What we saw in the finals yeah. by the Raptors is what's going to be happening in the Steph Curry all damn season. Teams just smothering him yeah. off every single screen action, on ball and off ball. Yep. It's going to be hell for him. Blitzing and, the hell out of him. Yes, unless they make the necessary changes. And oh, by the way, they better think about making some big changes here. And I'm not sure they're out there for them for salary cap reasons. But Andrea Godala getting old. Sean Livingston getting old. By the old way, he had a good night tonight. He, he had a really good night, especially in the defensive was his playoff performance. Yeah. It was his playoff uh, high for this postseason. Yes. Very good night. It's like with Andre Godala, you're having him for these nights. For the yeah. whole regular season, he's pacing himself to this point. Same is true for Draymond Green. He's also pacing himself. So it's like this team that just went to five straight finals and that, as Steve Kerr alluded to after the game, maybe that's one of the reasons why the wear and tear contributed yeah, to these injuries. Yeah, he did say that. Like Clay and KD. He brought it up at five straight seasons of 100 plus games. Yeah, exactly. But now they're not going to be able to coast during the regular season in order to get into the playoffs. These guys are going to have to bust their ass the entire year in order to get into the loaded West, which is wild to say considering where they've come from in the past five years. But without Clay until midseason or longer, and maybe no KD at all, that's going to be their reality next year. I feel bad for Clay and KD that they got hurt. Weeping for the Warriors on the whole, though, is a tough prospect. But also counting them out is dangerous, too. And, and Draymond even said this after the game tonight, where it has felt like you and I and Divine and all the people that we see when we're you know on the road for these NBA games have talked about this at length that this series and this postseason has taken on you know with KD and everybody assuming that this was even before the the injury but with KD everybody assuming he he was going to leave it's taken on this weird like end of a run air to it and a lot of the players were talking about that uh, after the game sometimes unprovoked flat out talking yeah. about it and Draymond was like yeah I've heard that and I think that's dumb like we're not done yet like why would you count us out. If you're going to start worrying about the Warriors, though, over the last five years, this is obviously the moment. Yeah, it's for all the, the reasons you just outlined. You know, in my in my article that'll be up on the Ringer on Friday morning, we we started off with a quote from Bob Myers. This is during the finals last year, the finals that they won. He said, "quote I definitely know this is ending. I don't need any reminders." The narrative is this will go on forever. On the record, it can't. Nothing does, especially in a sport where the competition is so great. And I think this series between Toronto and Golden State outlines so much about how the gap was closed between Golden State and the rest of the league. At one point, Golden State was ahead of the curve with their pace that they played with, ahead of the curve with their three-point shot distribution. And now... The Raptors, a team that just two years yep. ago was behind the eight ball. They were taking so many mid-range jumpers with Dwayne Casey's, you know, offense yeah. with Marta Rosen. And now they're taking 33 three-pointers in the game. They're taking as many threes. About 40% of their shots have been threes this series, about equal to Golden State, ignoring mid-range for the most part, except for later in the shot clock. 
Toronto is playing a quote-unquote progressive, modernized style now, whereas Golden State has stayed the same over the past four or five seasons. So with the Warriors, the margin has closed for them a little bit, sort of like it has for Houston, even though Houston has continued shooting more threes. But they were once further ahead of the curve, all because everybody is shooting more threes. It's just happening. So for Golden State, I wonder moving forward, whenever guys get healthy, how does the system change over time? What are the things Steve Kerr does in order to adapt? Over, do you start shooting more threes? Does Stephen Curry, do you surround him with shooters and start running more pick and roll? Something that you haven't done at a league low rate the past five seasons. How does this cha- team change in order to sustain success? Because the opportunity is there too, despite the clay injury. Torn ACL, he should be fine. He should be able to get back from that. But how do you keep getting better? How do you keep staying in contention like teams like the Spurs have, like teams like the Patriots, like the 49ers of the 80s, all these dynasties that were able to sustain success for 10-plus years? How can the Warriors do that? This is their seventh straight year of making the playoffs, five straight years of making the finals, winning three of them. But how do you keep it going for three more years to get to a decade and then X amount more for as long as you can? Change needs to happen to the roster and to the system. You bring up a really good point about uh, like the gap closing and teams playing their style almost better than them. I mean, tonight, Steph Curry had the same number of three-point attempts as Fred Van Vliet that we mentioned. <laughs> yeah, that, and by the way, says it all. and by the way, it took him until a minute and 23 left in the first quarter before Steph Curry got up his first shot. 12 players in this game took a shot before Steph Curry on a night when you didn't have Kevin Durant. Like you would have expected if they were going to win, Steph Curry had to go supernova and he was like pretty much invisible until yeah. like the first quarter was almost over. And that speaks to the way Toronto was able to defend him by yeah. helping off non-shooters or average shooters, blitzing Stephen Curry, trapping yeah. him, putting Doubling, two, sometimes yeah. three guys on him. Yeah. And that speaks to the, the flaws of the rest of the roster. Bob Myers and the front office need to take a long look at this roster here. And it's be tough like, when you got four max guys. Yeah, it's, tough. It, it's really hard. And and that's where with this team, I look at it and like, okay, if you have, let's say it's not four. Let's say KD goes. Let's say you keep Clay. Mm-hmm. Draymond one year left on his deal right. before he hits and free agency in want to get paid after that. He's going to want to. If you have those three guys, they add up to around $110 million. Those three alone, mm-hmm. your amount of flexibility to add a super supporting cast, like, it's hard, man. You need to hit every single draft pick that you make the next two years, or you're going to struggle to find guys. Yeah. You're going to be looking at the fringes of free agency because is not getting any younger. Sean Livingston already stinks, and he's not able, in my opinion, he had a solid night, but consistently he's not able to contribute at this level anymore. Quinn Cook is too small. Andrew Bogut can't defend anymore when mm-hmm. that was supposed to be what you had him for. We saw Buggy. Alfonso McKinney, yeah. solid, but like not a guy you're going to rely on. Jonas Jarebko, I love him. Um, he's a <laughs> solid role player, but not a guy that you're going to rely on in the NBA Finals. And Boogie, odds are he's going to get paid somewhere else. And Kavon Looney, guess what? He's also an unrestricted free agent, and he might get paid somewhere else as a quality rotation big man for the 25-30 minute range. Golden State could be even more depleted next season. Even more. It's crazy. It's nuts, man. It's and like, really, it and, really is. In regards to Draymond, though, like he's the guy to me. And again, this is like something I have in my article tomorrow, where it's like if you're Golden State today, can, by the time people are listening yeah, to it, yeah. If you're looking at Golden State, Joe Lakeup said last year that he wants his team to be like the Spurs. You can look at the Spurs and what are the things that they valued over years: continuity, keeping their core together over the years. Tim Duncan, Manu Ginobili, Tony Parker. 
And the, the Warriors have that big three with Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green. Draymond was awesome tonight. Except for the eight turnovers. Well, the turnovers, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Except for the fact he had to lose 23 pounds during the regular season in order <laughs> to get himself into shape. But other than that... And despite, and he also had some poor defensive performances within this series, too, taking unnecessary risks. And so with Draymond, to foul me... Foul trouble, yes. technical foul trouble, yes. all that stuff is true, and, yes. And to me, with Draymond, if you want to get crazy, and if you want to take a risk, to me, Draymond is a guy that you at least try to think about trading this summer. Because if he's going to get paid in 2020... He's going to be on the wrong side of 30, a guy who's six foot seven, who is, whose weight has always fluctuated. We might have seen during the season what he looks like at 33. A step slower, a good defender, not an all-time great defender. A sloppy playmaker who sometimes makes some nice plays for you, but sometimes blows it with eight turnovers tonight. Like Draymond is the heartbeat of this team, and it's hard for me to even say that because I love him as a player. But if there's one guy you're looking at and you're like, Maybe he's the piece that we get rid of in order to sustain success for longer. It may be him. Yeah. It might be him. And I think that the, uh, I mean, the eight turnover is obviously not good, but I also feel Those like- Those are sloppy, man. They were, but I also feel like he was trying to do a lot in this game because somebody had to do something. And it, Clay was shooting the hell out of the ball, but Steph, as you said, they, they took him away. Dre, it was basically Draymond and, and Andre Guadal, and that was basically it. Um, Sometimes you can do more by doing less, though. Yeah. There was a couple of times where it's like, I'm sitting there, again, like- I, me and Nick watching the game together. Nick at one point was like, Draymond, what are you doing? Turnover. Like before it happens, like you can see it coming. And same with a couple of the decisions that DeMarcus Cousins made. I mean, he had to. You know, he sure. had to. Like you yeah, said, there's some things that help, but you just need to uh, have somebody try <sighs> yeah. something. Uh, the Warriors are going to have a, a long offseason ahead of them. The Toronto Raptors, whatever happens, it's all good now, Canada. Congratulations to you. Before we go, because we're going to wrap this up and head off to do other things. Kevin O'Connor, dunk on cancer. You put this together in honor of your father. It's a great effort. You had a, a gathering in Toronto where you had a bunch of people out from the NBA to talk about it. Give us an update. How are we doing? So dunk on cancer. We ended the finals with 33 dunks. Um, not as much as expected, but 33 dunks. That's okay. We still raised a total of $66,376 from Dunk on Cancer. That's from people making their one-time donations, people making their donations per dunk during the finals. That's from people at the show that we ran in Canada, Dunk on Cancer, an NBA Finals fundraiser where about 270 people showed up and they put money into raffle. Every single dollar went to cancer research. The people who bought the tickets, every buck went towards Dunk on Cancer as well. So $66,000 is pretty good. And for the next 48 hours, if people want to Donate more, they're able Go to. Go donate more, uh, yeah. people. No, this, it's, uh, a, it's a really good thing to Kevin Dunk on did. cancer.com. Thank you to everybody who has donated or shared the link in. To everybody who showed up at the event as well. That was an awesome night, man. Yeah, it, it, it was, looked like it was really fun. It was fun. so damn fun. Uh, I'm glad you did that. I'm glad you did this. You'll be on all kinds of podcasts coming moving forward. We've got draft coverage going forward. We've got mm. free agency coming up. The NBA season is over. The NBA season continues. For Kevin O'Connor. One week away from the draft gone. Hell yeah. <laughs> I'll be doing some draft coverage with you. It's going to be great. We pivot. We continue. It, it never ends. Kevin O'Connor, thank you for doing this. Isaac Lee back in the studio in Los Angeles. I will see you soon. Thank you for doing this. And to all of you who stuck with us all season long on Heat Check, we really appreciate it. The Ringer you, uh, appreciates everybody that has uh, signed on, hooked on with us, and, and messes with us. We like it. So uh, it means the world, everybody. It, it thank really you does. so much. Gang, thank you. We'll be back soon. See ya.